Well, big rises in oil prices as OPEC Plus decide to stick with their original plan and not add any further oil production. So that's got people worried about inflation. And I suppose some are concerned it will also slow down the recovery and perhaps cost jobs. But is that a valid concern? And in that environment, are central banks still wise to tighten policy? Like the RBNZ this week, will they really raise rates with Auckland still in lockdown? It's Tuesday, the 5th of October 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. stocks are taking a beating. We've got 2% fall in the Nasdaq, 1.4% down for the S&P 500 and 0.9% drop in the Dow. Uh, better than it was earlier, though. Down across Europe as well, the Eurostox 50 lost almost 1%. The U.S. dollar isn't the safe haven anymore. Not today, anyway. The dollar is down a quarter percent on the DXY. It was down on Friday as well, so two sessions in a row now. The Aussie dollar is up to almost 72.9 U.S. cents, 0.4% up since Friday night. The pound has gained 0.4%. The euro less than 0.2% percent up and movements up in bond yields 10-year treasuries up two basis points to 1.48 percent it got to almost 1.51 percent middle of the session uk 10-year gilt uh, seem to be sticking over one percent now uh, german 10-year bond yields have been touching minus 0.2 percent the last few sessions uh, for the first time really since june uh, but today's main news oil prices are rising wti and brent both up around 2.3 to 2.5 percent brent uh, taking it to the highest prices actually there were three percent up earlier taking to the highest prices since 2018 no wonder people are getting worried about inflation uh, this rise in oil is largely because opec has decided not to add more production uh, they're going to up it by 400,000 barrels a day in november but no more than that that was already agreed uh, ray atrell is here from nab in sydney obviously the expectation for the markets was that they should be churning out even more of the stuff yeah morning phil but uh, you know that said my um, everything i was reading ahead of this opec plus or opec plus friends meeting um, was that there wasn't any um, you know, likelihood of, of them going beyond previous um, production increase uh, agreements, as you say, which I think the next, uh, the next slated increase of $400,000 or 400,000 barrels a day in, in November. But um, the market's obviously taken it, um, taken it pretty hard. And obviously, there's been a big read through to other commodity prices, thermal coal in particular. So um, thermal coal prices up at a record high. So obviously, oil substitutes are, um, you know, are are back in the ascendancy. So um, thermal coal up 40% in the last month and now up at $240 US dollars per metric tonne. So, yeah, which, um, and that obviously is what's hurting Europe right now. We'll come to that in a second. But the fact that markets have reacted to this uh, you know, lack of increasing uh, oil, presumably that means that the markets are expecting that demand is going to pick up. Therefore, you know, they must be having a fairly optimistic view uh, of, of how things are going to be going forward. Well, it's not. Is it just purely a demand story? Remember, that the origins of this sort of energy crisis, if that's what you want to call it, is really about a chronic shortage of of gas for various reasons, obviously, which we've talked about over recent weeks. So this is not a pure demand side story. Mm. It is a, it's a demand for uh, gas substitutes, um, but it's not necessarily what's happening with oil at the moment is not necessarily reflective of an overall increase uh, in demand, even though obviously we are coming into the Northern Hemisphere winter where we expect that um, you know the demand side 
side of the equation yeah. will increase. So um, I think this is much a it's, it's a much of a supply shock in, yeah. in the gas sector in particular. Yeah. That is um, that is the latest reason. And and you know from OPEX plus point of view, um, you know I was reading at the weekend that Saudi Arabia is now making more. Um, it's now raking in more revenue than it has done for for decades almost. And um, I think they're sitting here. <laughs> um, I mean they will act. Uh, you know their their their, yeah, their mantra has always been that they want the market to be reasonably supplied um, and arguably that is a you know a call to increase production at this stage but um, unless oil it looks like mm. it's going to sustain a rise above $80 and head up to, to 90 or even 100 um, you know at the moment their view is that well the market is reasonably um, reasonably balanced as far as supply and demand yeah, is unless, concerned. Unless that, this kills I mean that obviously the concern is that this kills the recovery that prices get so high that it costs jobs and it slows the recovery and uh, you know and maybe at the same time we're getting uh, banks uh, starting to tighten their policy and Joe Biden for example not not able to get his spending bills through so uh, you know so so less fiscal support as well I mean, there's all that concern, isn't there? That, that you know, there's all of these things converging at the same time. Oh, absolutely! And one of the reasons for um, you know for stock market weakness or relative weakness of late, and one of the reasons for um, you know the U.S. dollar being back in the ascendancy is that you know there is no doubt that some of the earlier optimism that as we come out of uh, as I say lockdowns and, and economic recovery um, proceeds apace, that um, you know we've been looking, as we say, sort of almost ad nausea that uh, looking for the rest of the world to start sort of picking up the pace of economic activity, at least relative to the US, even if the US itself doesn't come to any great harm, you know, that thesis mm. is being challenged here. And it's the concerns, particularly about what, um, you know, this explosion in gas prices and now the, the, the energy crisis in Europe, you know, to yeah. what extent is that going to offset well, um, the support that we get from coming out of lockdowns? And, and that is really, I think, the key global theme just well, at the moment. Here, here's the curious thing, because Europe obviously is getting hit by high oil prices. And interestingly, you're talking about uh, keeping prices high. The Russian Deputy Prime Minister Alexander Novak said that, uh, you know, the reason why they were pushing to keep uh, supply down on oil was because they were worried about a fourth rise of uh, fourth wave of corona. But obviously, they're doing quite well out of selling gas to Europe at the moment by tight, keeping a tight control on supplies there. So uh, you would have thought that would be making the euro struggle and that would be strong for the uh, for the US dollar. But this morning, it's looking the other way. What's going on there? Well, it's, uh, I'm sort of coming in and seeing the OPEC news and seeing what's happened with energy prices and, and um, how that's playing to concerns about um, about playing to the stagflation concerns. I would probably have expected that the US dollar itself to be somewhat firmer. And here it is in that yes. DXY terms, about a quarter percent uh, lower. But if I look across Damn. all of the G10, what strikes me is that the Swiss franc is up 0.7%. It's the strongest currency. So that is classic sort of safe haven uh, support for currencies. But if um, you know, something with sort of, you know, five, 10% weights in the dollar index is going up more. Uh, that holds things down. The commodity currencies obviously are doing well. So the Norwegian krona and the Canadian dollar are the next best um, performing currencies. So all of those are holding the dollar index back. That said, um, the British pound is up half a percent. Um, I'm not quite sure what's driven that. And the euro is actually about... A, well, it had a, had a bad end to the week last week, though, didn't it? So maybe it's just... A- well, this is the, the point I was going to make is that, say, with the euro, 
euro up and the pound up, uh, and they've been two of the, the poorest performing currencies of uh, the last week or so, you know, is it, a lot of bad news in the price, obviously. So from a sort of sentiment point of view, um, you know, are we waking up to, to even worse news than we were before? So, yeah, there's a little bit of resilience coming in here. And, and certainly on the euro, you know, we've been saying that we thought sort of key levels around 115 were, um, you know, were likely to hold. And here we are above 116. So, so I, do, I do get that sense that, um, you know, there is a, quite a lot of sort of dollar positive news in the price here. Um, doesn't mean that, um, you know, the risks are still skewed, I suspect, in favour of, uh, of further dollar strength. But for the time being, at least, it seems that um, combination of sort of safe haven currency demand that is actually benefiting, you know, the likes of the yen and the Swiss franc uh, more than the dollar and commodity price, uh, commodity currency gains are, are limiting the strength of the dollar. Well, you know, you mentioned stagflation, and obviously that is being talked about. If you look at Google searches for the word last week, they were three times higher than the week before. Uh, in fact, it could be the highest this week since 2008 for stagflation uh, searches. Although, uh, you know, using our, our common uh, index benchmark, uh, nowhere near up to the levels of Kim Kardashian. Uh, but there is a concern, isn't there? I mean, jobs ret- are returning, but maybe not fast enough. And there's a danger that, you know, if prices rise, that's going to cut consumer spending. So that makes it very difficult for central banks as to what they do. Like, for example... Will the RBNZ actually push ahead with uh, a rate rise this week, given that, you know, there's a, 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 a continued lockdowns in Auckland and perhaps a few other parts of the country as well? It's not good optics, is it? Well, that's the, I mean, the risk on the RBNZ now. It does come specifically from you know, the fact that, that effectively uh, the Prime Minister um, Jacinda Ardern has effectively made a decision that we are going that we are moving to a living with COVID environment, which is obviously a, you know, a sharp contrast to the elimination strategy. You know, and that does have read through to um, you know to the potential you know ongoing uh, strength of recovery um, if we're going to have sort of periodic um, lockdowns and you know and, and restrictions in place in some shape or form but um, is he going to stop the RBNZ moving tomorrow um, we don't think so but um, you know the market that was you know clearly toying with a 50 basis point rate rise up until just a week or so ago you know is now pricing 25 basis points with less than 100% probability so we still think it happens but you're right it does put a little bit of a question mark there and as for the you know the stagflation debate I mean you know what I would say is that um, you know certainly the inflation side of the stagflation um, uh, 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 issue is, is certainly there. Um, the stagnation side, I think, is really where the debate is. I mean, is the rise in inflation, which is clearly for some, the, the rise in energy prices is clearly having an impact on real incomes, um, you know, for mm. many people. Um, and we're going to see, you know, large rises in, um, you know, in, in utility prices, for example, and that sucks, um, you know, sucks money out that might be spent elsewhere. Um, you know, so that's really what we're talking about as far as uh, stagflation is concerned. But so is, is, remember, it cost, is, it, is it going to cost jobs? That's the question, is it? So well, that means non-farm <laughs> payrolls is going to be, you know, again, going to be something that's going to be very important to look at. No, absolutely. But I think the, the, the broader point to make is just let's just remember how cashed up households are, you know, coming out of the, the pandemic stage of COVID. Um, you know, and at the moment, therefore, you know, their ability to continue to spend even in the face of, you know, much higher energy prices and then utility prices is, um, you know, it's still intact. So in that sense, you know, when we're talking about stagflation, we're talking about almost in recessionary conditions on the demand side of the economy and higher inflation. 
recession that um, yeah. you know my, yeah. my sense is that we're not we're not at that stage but the fears about inflation and proving to be you know much longer or, or you know or transitory for longer if you like um, and potentially what that means for central bank policy reaction functions is um, you know is still a very valid question and if I look at the Nasdaq for example as the underperformer you know clearly you'd have to associate that with with fear that uh, interest rates you know could end up rising you know faster than otherwise from the Fed or certainly that these uh, this rise in bond yields that we've been seeing is not something that's likely to reverse anytime soon but that point I mean personal income in the United States was less than expected we you know we, we learned at the end of last week uh, just 0.2 percent month on month but spending was up 0.8 percent month on month so uh, uh, you know so people are spending and then consumer sentiment reading was higher than expected as well the manufacturing ISM again higher than expected in fact the higher since since May so uh, all of that's good and uh, we've got services PMIs for Europe and the US and the US ISM services reading as well so that's going to tell us you know uh, how how is the recovery going no, absolutely, and all of those those ISM numbers are, um, you know, let's remember in absolute terms, um, you know, outside of, of of China and how you know and countries that are directly affected by China are still doing very very well. So um, as you say, consumer mm. sentiment has clearly recovered somewhat from that that hit that we saw sort of a month or so ago, and, and evident in an upward revision to the um, to the final University of Michigan uh, sentiment index. So ISM services is the, is the key statistic, um, I think, to night and uh, it is expected to drop back a little bit but um, still mm. you know very close to 60 which in absolute terms puts it close to uh, to historic record highs so um, you know so yeah. that will be interesting to see whether you know all the stories about um, energy prices and uh, you know what that's meaning for um, you know for utilities and for for, for uh, price of petrol at the pumps, for example, whether that is yet having any material impact on uh, sentiment in the service sector will obviously be um, be revealed to some extent by those um, no. ISM numbers tonight. And very quickly, because we've talked for far too long, we're going into trouble this uh, today. Uh, the RBA is out today, is meeting today, of course. Uh, they will probably play second fiddle, won't they, to a, a vaccination announcement from whoever is uh, Premier of New South Wales today. Uh, because we we could, uh, we're likely to hit that 70% target. I mean, if we uh, believe Tapas's spreadsheet, today would be the day we're told that. Yes, I was just, just I know on, uh, on Friday with the latest vaccine update from NAB, we were saying that October the 5th uh, could be the day that New South Wales achieves the, um, you know, the 70% double dose target. But I think we were up at 65 point something on Sunday. So I'm not quite sure the clock will take over today. It might be tomorrow. So you can chastise um, Mr. Strickland when you speak to him um, later in the week. Day but, out, um, it's not good enough, uh, is but it? It, it is certainly possible. But the RBA itself is certainly a dead rubber from a sort of macro policy point point of view um, you know and obviously with the talk that um, is now very live about potential macro prudential rules you wonder whether sort of the financial stability side of the um, the RBA's remit is going to be getting more of an airing at today's meeting yeah all right well we'll talk more about that tomorrow no doubt good to talk though Ray thank you well do thanks Phil and there we are that's this Tuesday morning's edition of the morning call we are back again tomorrow morning I'm Phil Dobby for NAB see you then